Hey everybody, welcome back to Up The Vibe after a bit of a break from the world of podcasting. And today I'm welcoming back James Rose to discuss the release of Moment of Contact, to get the latest C5 UK updates, to discuss the upcoming UFO report, and also our interview with Jim Penniston, who notably touched the craft during the Rendlesham UFO incident. Hi James, how are you doing today? Hey Joe, great to see you. Yeah, very well, very well. Yeah, um, what, a, what, a, what a time we're living in at the moment. Incredible. I know, this is non-stop. There's new things every day at the moment, isn't there? And not yeah. least, uh, this moment of contact, which um, I saw uh, not long ago. And it's, it's quite compelling. And, and I messaged you after I'd, I saw it. And yeah. um, so uh, I wondered if um, what you thought of it. Well, listen, I, 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 to be totally honest and upfront, I have not seen it yet. Yeah. I must admit to being a little bit put off by some of, I read, a, I made the mistake of looking at review. I mean, I don't, these days, I don't look at reviews for films or books or anything. If I really want to see something, I'll just go and see it. And then after I've seen it and I've made my own opinion, I'll go and read the, the reviews. But for whatever reason, I didn't do that. I read the reviews. I think it was Mark Kaprowski in, in the Japanese uh, uh, in C5 community Japan sent me a couple of reviews and said, mm, not sure about this. So I, I read those straight away. And it was just, you know, I think as was, have we, we've had these conversations before. Um, although the, the court classifies things like hearsay as not admissible, there's still kind of relevant information, you know. Um, now, this would be very interesting for me because. I've got an understanding of what happened in Varginha in Brazil. Uh, uh, not having seen the film, my understanding is built up from a couple of witnesses, one of whom was a doctor in the hospital who witnessed a being being brought in. Um, another was uh, two, um, one was a child, uh, another witness was a child, another one was an adult from the village. So something crashed. Uh, there were one or two beings alive after the crash and they brought one of those beings into a into a brazilian hospital where was, the one of the beings was treated by a brazilian doctor who has been very brave in making a testament about this and stating categorically this was not human that, that this being i saw is that correct so um from the context of the film what i remember was there is a a doctor who took x-rays and um so this thing this thing came in and he took x-rays and he was not allowed and this is a first for him not allowed to look at the x-rays check them make sure that it looked okay before they were stripped away taken away by the military who brought this this creature in so that was that was one of the doctors but he was more involved in the x-rays in terms of the doctors that treated the being and i believe i understand there was two one of which was still alive at the time and was being treated. I've not heard that uh, that they've given testimony and they didn't in the film, but I have heard that they are, they still exist um, or they're still alive. Um, the beings? The, no, the, the doctor, the doctors are still yeah. alive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, will they come out? I think uh, James Fox recently said on a, an interview that someone who was involved actually it might be more in the the firemen or, or or part of the police that were captured the being during one of the captures when they were, when it was running around uh, Virginia uh, may have um, just recently popped up out of nowhere. 
So there may be something to, to that to hang on to. Um, so we'll have to wait and see. It seems like there is a little bit of momentum gathering and maybe someone out there who, who knows a bit more about this has some video evidence or something might be brave enough to come out. Um, what was quite gripping, I, I, there's a bit in it um, with a guy called uh, Eric, um, uh, I've forgotten the second name. There's a, there's a guy who they go and visit and they they turn up and he literally says to them, if this is about the ETs, then I, I'm going to basically get off my property and I'll be leading you out with bullets. Um, it's quite threatening. He said all this in Portuguese. And I actually remember um, on Twitter seeing the fallout from this because, uh, oh, I think you've gone gone on mute. Sorry, Joe, repeat that. Um, yeah, you're just on mute, but I was just saying that they there was a there was a part in the film in the moment of contact where they go up to a guy, I've forgotten his second name, Eric something, and he basically um says uh to them, if this is about the ET, I'm going to lead you away with bullets. It was quite threatening. And um so he was obviously quite scared. And he and James said he looked in his eyes and he's obviously got something, there's something in his mind he can't share but it's it's weighing him down and his soul and it's really really it was really touching to james just to feel how much emotional um how much emotion there is in the fear and everything the trepidation to come out and talk about this um, incident by the various people and the efforts that were put by the team to get people to come forward on this were were pretty pretty amazing just to just to give an indication of how how much fear there is in in the in the people who aren't coming out so it kind of feels uh, surprising that there yeah isn't. i mean i think the the big issue here is the fact that um it, doctors globally are subject to you know blanket regulation um and and to a greater degree in, in every country they're terrified of the regulators. i mean the regulators can, can strip them of their ability to make money so there's there's a justifiable fear there, but the problem is that that is um, that 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 takes over and and replaces sort of a, a rational sense. I mean, in in some senses, it's you know whistleblowing of any kind. The first, I mean, that when you whenever you mention whistleblowing, the first thing you think of is what happens to the whistleblowers, because there's always a reprisal. Hmm. So the fact that I, I totally understand the fact that they've they've come clean. That you have to say, I mean, it, it's it's trying to control the temper here about the people that have stifled this coming out, because those people are preventing, are hindering the progression of the entire human race for greed, insecurity, and power. And this is obviously happened globally before, as we know. But they've scared someone who's given up their life given their life to the service of others to, to you know trying to help others heal and this poor guy is now terrified because and, he, and he's going to have that hanging over him his entire yeah, life that's that's what i feel his yeah entire life it's like is it sort of damocles kind of hanging yeah. over them for the whole life looking over their shoulder is there a is yeah. someone going to get me because i said something wrong you know that i don't know what it'd be like this... living day in day out like with that on your mind the question is, I suppose that one thing I'd ask you from the from the from the documentary was, 
were these were the military personnel in the hospital who he saw who took away the the uh, x-rays were they u.s military because in the in the accounts i've heard of the story it was the brazilian military dealing with it and then all of a sudden the u.s uh our agencies or soldiers or whoever they were turned up and completely took over yeah no that's so, completely the what i heard is that um u.s uh were basically got into brazilian air airspace air without um, authorization and they were there usaf were there and they used the brazilian um local army to basically get the beings to um this this base where the then the the us took over and took it back um back to to america and what happened then we don't know but uh essentially the brazilian army were used on but that i imagine they were commanded by the by the us to do that um they were definitely involved the there was only one military person in the film that actually spoke and that was towards the end and that was also quite an important part where you got to see um what yeah the level of uh fear uh of of reprisal for coming out and i guess you know everything there and that was another thing that james uh, fox noted as being one of the most poignant moments for him in the whole thing of 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 meeting this guy and just and i think that's the the biggest takeaway from it isn't necessarily any evidence per se it's Mm. the stories it's the human stories because i think for us to break through the the stigma we're going to have to show the world that are still you know carrying that stigma that think that whoever believes in ufos is is um (laughs) well let's not go down that road but they need to see the human effects do you think that's that's i mean we we, we, our perception of, of that mentality has been defined by, you know, the humour around it and, and the, the lampooning of people that have embraced that. But, but what you've described in some of these witnesses is a whole other level. That's a level of terror over reprisals that you just don't get, you know, um, you just don't get anywhere else. Yeah. That fear, I mean, it's almost like, you know, a, a, um, you'd see from a, a, a mafia informant yeah, it is. I mean, it is basically it's above the mafia in some respects, you know. Yeah, I mean, it just begs the question of what sociopaths have been responsible for covering this up? Because that's what we're dealing with. We're dealing with a type of of narcissistic authority that is clearly getting off on the power attached to this. But it's yeah. just compounded bad decision making. To, to be devil's decades. advocate, though, and this is a thought that. I don't know if it'll resonate with you at all, but I feel like there is definitely that level of going back to post Roswell. Um, but I wonder if there's also an aspect of this uh, is, is fear based again, yeah. instead of a, it being, instead of being a, a, a mental, an emotion of greed and power and control, it's actually a fear. And what's the fear of population collapse based on, the knowledge that we're not alone given that you know what the whole um, war of the world's awesome wells thing mm. i mean it's a whole mixture of stuff that's going on i i think there's a whole mixture of consciousnesses going on there is greed there is definitely the that but there's, i think there's also fear of the repercussions of it as well that, and that's driving some people to maybe do things which we, we would call you know psychopathic or whatever 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, the, the, the older I get, the more I subscribe to the work of the psychologist Carl Jung mm -hmm. and the, the whole principle of, you know, this collective unconscious. And this collective unconscious is a series of competing voices that, that every human being gets from the moment they're born until the moment they die, which is serving to program their perception of reality. And there was no clearer example than you know the fact the past 75 years we've been encouraging each other to laugh at people about the principle of little green men from outer space that's the clearest example but unfortunately this is translating into you know programming us to act with certain behaviors and and there's no clearer sign of that taking place in the bloody military um you know and and so bad decision making and bad orders that have been given mm. for decades still being perpetuated and it's it's really not doing us any good yeah. so i think this 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 programming is still there and, and unfortunately it's still having an effect on all of this and it's a question of how do, how do you get people to break out of it i mean it, it, it's that old expression you know um well you think outside the box well you can't think outside of a box if you don't know if you're in one you're in one in the first place mm -hmm. And that's the problem with, with current society is so all the things that, that the C5 community, the Rama, Rama community and, you know, consciousness, heist all over are experiencing and um, experimenting with. The rest of the population has no clue. And again, it would be it's it's I don't want to say that it's it, it's it's put down, but there's a. a you know, there's an overriding programming which people are embracing rather than actually trying to explore this for themselves and think about it for themselves. Mm. But the, the good thing is, the good news is that the younger generation are less programmed and are probably more open to to this yeah. topic. Um, yeah. So maybe it's only a matter of time. <laughs> yeah, I programming so. to wear off. <laughs> so, so what are your, your feelings about the uh, uh, the moment of contact? Then is it? There's def sounds like it's definitely worth seeing. I'd definitely see it, if not just for the kind of getting an understanding of the emotion um, of the people that were involved in it um, and the effects it had on their lives. Um, and also the number of witnesses um, involved gives you clear indication that this isn't a made up thing. It's no. definitely not made up. Something happened that day. Yeah. Um, so uh 1996 wasn't it was it 1996 that's right yeah so not that long ago relatively speaking and now and, and think that's that's also a good thing although it's it's kind of on the the brink between being um recent enough that people are still alive but it's also old enough that the the naysayers and talking talk cgi and all these things might you know uh I guess there isn't any video evidence, but if there anything comes out and it's all on like it's coming from a VHS tape, I don't know whether they can still say CGI. I, let's see, that's that's for another day. But um, I right mean, now, the, the, the things that have come out of Brazil. I mean, the, the thing that amazes me most, though. I mean, although I remember reading about the Varginha incident years and years ago, and it just it was the sincerity behind some of the witness statements that was just completely convincing. Mm -hmm. because these people were terrified and and the all the signs about you know the potential for the u.s military turning up casting everything away was such a familiar story it just made sense 
But there is an there is a there was an incident in South America that I cannot for the life of me understand why the entire contact community hasn't picked up on it because it is it's so much more profound. I think it was about 1993. There was a total eclipse of the sun uh, over Mexico City. Okay, and um, this was obviously a huge event. This was an Aztec prophecy. And the Aztec prophecy was they, they nailed, they pinpointed exactly with their calendar this, this total eclipse of the sun in 1993. And the prophecy stated categorically there will be an eclipse of the sun. And at that point and afterwards, the masters of the stars will return. The kind of things that we've seen in C5 popped up in a massive, massive display. Millions of people saw this in the skies over Mexico City that fulfilled an Aztec prophecy. And there are hundreds of hours somewhere of camcorder footage. Now, I remember seeing all of this at a UFO conference in Sheffield in 1995. And, and this whole incident is, it's almost like, you know, it's, it's dissipated from, from our collective understanding when there's massive evidence over it. And okay. the fact that that was an Aztec prophecy as well, mm-hmm. and I, th- this is it. I mean, I, I don't know whether anyone's looked into any more further information surrounding it. And when, when we say Aztec prophecy, it's important to qualify that. Has that come from primary evidence from a descendant of the Aztecs, a, a story that's been passed down for generations, or was it inscribed on the wall of a temple somewhere? That, you know, uh, that bit is a little bit hazy, so I'm not exactly sure, but it was just the footage that was emerging. This was broad daylight. It was like there was a, um, you know, it was like being able to see a nighttime star constellation, but it was in the sky in broad daylight. You could see these, all these dots, and they were clearly moving around all over the place. Um, and, and yeah, the, the, uh, at the time, this was 1985, they, they swore in blind that there were several hundred hours of footage there. So that kind of thing, you can't, you know, unless you go and you manually steal those tapes and you destroy that footage, you can't really cover that up. But something like this, when you've got a really credible witness, specifically a doctor or any other medical staff who don't lie to people for a living, who are, who are there because they've got the pillars of the community and they're, they've got integrity. When those people get threatened, it's a different story. But yeah, well, it, would seem, it would seem like there, there, there's more to come where um, the Vargina incident is concerned. I do hope that comes out. But I just find myself with all these stories it just makes me so angry <laughs> about the role of the military, the intelligence community, or whoever these other sub-agencies are. They have no right to do this, no right whatsoever. And, and every time I hear this, it makes me start to think, you know, someone needs to do a Greta Thunberg on these military and intelligence community types and, and you know, setting course a chain of events that strips these people of pensions. You know, I would like to see these people stripped of their pensions. <laughs> Yeah. Well, anyway, um, get off the, I'll get off the high horse. <laughs> it's. Uh, I think we need to try and move forward as best we can with uh, as much forgiveness and peace and love. But uh, I know what yeah, you mean. Absolutely. I know what you mean. There is a, a growing frustration out there and anger um, of the situation we're at. But maybe we'll look back one day and see the unraveling of it all and realize why it had to be so. 
why it couldn't have come out well, then. That, I mean, that would be good. That would be hugely positive. And, and, and finally, we could start to look at things from their perspective. But mm. you know, the fact of the matter is that they've deemed that only a small number of humans are capable of processing if, if information. That's just garbage. They had no right to make a decision on behalf of the human race. Yeah, we, we don't know. Yeah, it's it's hard hard to know whether if if all this information come out straight after Roswell, whether would be you know flying around in UFOs now and meeting other beings, or the world would have yeah. collapsed under the weight of uh, whatever they predicted might happen with all these people panicking and it's that's maybe a topic for another day because it's. Uh, yeah. It's, it's something it's, it's something maybe easier to to look at once we get a bit more information because when this comes out hopefully all the information will be there of the reasons why certain decisions were taken by the intelligence community community and maybe maybe we'll have some sympathy for what happened but right now all i can see is hurting and suffering of others and stopping humanity's progress so i agree yeah. there's a lot of frustration there yeah yeah um before we move on, I wonder if you think there could be some something that comes from this, some momentum that gathers beyond um, the UFO community. And uh, the reason I say that is because there has been a couple of interviews done by, I think, Fox News and uh, CNBC, maybe, did an interview yeah. with James Fox. Um, yeah. I think there is some talk about it within the Twitterverse and various other social media platforms so do you think anything will come of it or will it just be another one of those things that comes and goes well i think i think the problem is that that uh, you know as we, we said earlier on that the world is still you know uh very hung up on this that the whole principle of sort of legal credibility you know uh you know i mean don't forget when we when we were initially setting up you know, you, you help me, you know, we set up the Southeast London group and everything else. And we spent a lot of time embracing that, that mindset and that ideology by creating a reporting form that was devised by former police officers to output information potentially would stand up in a court of law. Quite why we would need that information to stand up in a court of law is a mystery to myself, mm -hmm. but um, it, it's that whole plausibility now that the issue is here. You've got witnesses that won't come forward uh, are they more likely to come forward with mainstream media interviewing them? Well, who knows? They, I think they, the, the reason they've kept quiet is they're scared of being, you know, of, of action being taken against them, potentially violent or, or life-ending action. Yeah. Could the media protect them from that? Well, you, you know, what, what's the net loss? There's so much of this information has come out now. I actually don't think, I think it would... If you if the if the intelligence community military whoever would would attempt to do that would attempt to kill a, or or threaten uh, a witness, then what they're effectively going to do by doing that is martyr. So that will then really fan the flames. Yeah, well, I think so we are at the moment where there's more of a risk to them than to. Oh yeah, yeah. I I think it would be uh, the the very height of of uh, limited intelligence. For them to go and take that kind of action uh, i mean well god knows they've proved time and again that they're not very bright so <laughs> you know wouldn't put anything past them but no i mean i i think that's the bottom line is, is if the mainstream media decides to get involved and get behind james fox's uh, work 
they, they're going to have to be prepared to try and protect those witnesses and they've got to go out of the way to do it and they've got to really build confidence and trust with those witnesses that they can do that this is why i mean the analogy of the mafia for those in the, those witnesses minds is is, is relevant because they clearly think decades later someone will take take them out if they say something so you've got to get around that's a huge psychological barrier to overcome first but you know I mean, that's if, if the media think this will sell, and sadly it all boils down to whether or not this is still a saleable news item uh, for these commercial organisations, then um, they will probably make the effort and make the investment to protect those witnesses. Mm. Uh, but that's, that's the challenge of the world we live in, is, is a complete fundamental lack of you know, um, objective journalism. It just doesn't exist anymore. These are all commercial organisations trying to make money. And as a direct result, it, it negatively impacts the ability to provide objective journalism. Um, you know, I mean, I, I'm, I, 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 you know, it's a double-edged sword. I don't like uh, too much regulation makes things impossible to deal with. Although it protects people's rights, it does make things very difficult to deal with. And it creates a very challenging set of circumstances to, to you know, run a business or organise a, a, a this or that or the other. So I don't know. I mean, I, I, um, I don't know what, what can be done where the press is concerned to try and get them to take these witnesses more seriously. Um, you know, I mean, if you, if you talk about really credible witnesses globally, there is no more credible witness than someone like Robert Lazar who, who whistled blue on Area 51. Um, and he was terrified. He was shot out in all sorts. Uh, and I think he, he took it to George Knapp, didn't he, first of all. Um, now, he didn't get any protection, but he came through it. So I think it's, it's going to be a question of the community, potentially, as and when these witnesses pop up, is to serve them examples and say, look, actually, you will come through this. You will come out the other side. Don't be scared. Please, 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 just come and tell your story. Um, yeah, but the, I think the thing for James Fox is he can't provide anything like this sort of, you know, uh, uh, legally admissible evidence style that that would stand up to um scrutiny um so yeah i'd like to see there be a change but i can't see it mm -hmm. yep i agree but i think um i've heard that uh some aspects of the film have been shown to various members of congress in brazil and in or whatever equivalent of congress is brazil and also in US Congress, and it has stirred, stirred the pot a bit. So, well, you have to say that that new Brazilian president is, is, um, you know, while, while this isn't any kind of political comment, he, he's the man of the people, you know, so uh, the guy that's just come in. So, if anybody's going to stand up for their rights, you would, you would hope that the Brazilian government would do the right thing, the honourable thing, and let those witnesses come forward and tell it. You know, tell the truth. Well, let's um, let's move on to um, the C five um, side of things, and I think some exciting updates. And I think if you wanted to talk about yeah. that, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm still uh, yeah. obviously uh, this has been. Uh, I, I mean, I I haven't done a huge amount this year. I did I did did so much in in years gone by. I've really given a, a huge amount of myself to the community. But I, I think that the couple of this, a couple of pro projects that I'm, I'm really keen to finish. I've got an, uh, an app which comes out soon, and um, I'm happy to disclose that I have been talking directly to 
uh, Dr. Greer and his lovely wife, um, Emily Greer, about the prospects of coming to the UK next year. So we've uh, found a potential conference venue. Um, I won't go public with that yet. Uh, and, and now I'm in the process of collating a load of uh, additional IT costs for uh, him coming over. So um, I, I don't want to say this is this is by no means uh, guaranteed, um, but at the moment, everything's in place that we think we found the right thing. It works for him. And in which case he's going to come over next year. Um, so but there's still a number of details to iron out and we've got to see if everything is exactly, uh, you know, uh, but there's a hell of a lot of work that's gone into this uh, something on my side um, uh, and, and a number of people down in and around the conference venue. Um, I've conducted extensive meetings with, con con you know, with the conference venue. We've done a lot of due diligence for Dr. Greer. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm hoping that it's, it, you know, he's given a sort of, uh, he's made a lot of positive uh, noises that he's going to come over. So we'll see. I've got a final chunk of information to send him, and I'm hoping for a decision over the course of the next fortnight. Uh, and then, right, yeah. you know, so, but it's been, um, I'd really recommend all the C5 communities around the world to, I mean, I know this is a wonderful time in terms of people are, you know, uh, trying to get communities going globally, but it, I would really encourage them to go back to Dr. Greer, who, who founded the movement really, and, and, you know, encourage him to come to that country and talk about it. Uh, I mean, we live in, the, in this world where you can go and have a virtual meeting anywhere you want, but nothing will ever really replace getting together with a group of people you know, face to face uh, is still the best way to do it. So yeah, so with uh, if everything goes according to plan, hopefully he will be coming over next year. But as I said, it's not it's not signed, sealed, and delivered. It's not guaranteed yet. Uh, what is what is guaranteed is the fact that the uh, the app that we've created for the UK community will be out. Uh, I'm having heart palpitations at the moment because I've submitted it. It's been submitted to Google for approval. Um, and they take between five to seven days to make a decision. So I thought that would I would have come through the end of that cycle by about Monday or Tuesday this week. But it's probably going to be it's probably going to uh, drag into next week now. But you know that's fine. Um, you've seen the app, Joe. Um, honestly, brutally, truthfully, what did you think? Um, has it has it changed much since I saw it? Uh, same, same, same app. No, it's. Uh... It's good. I like the like the navigation style, um, and there was useful information on there, and certainly saves on repeating a lot of the same questions you get from newcomers to C five groups. Yeah. Um, so I can see some benefit for it, and if anything, you know, it's I can see a lot of work's been put into it. I think you know we can make it go forward. I'm sure, like with all apps, there's probably things that could be lined out or stuff with it yeah. moving forward. Um, Absolutely. But uh, yeah, as from what I saw, you look like a good step forward, and it's yeah, it's it's a, it's just been designed as a tool for the UK community. You know, it's got a ton of content in there. It's got a ton mm. of um, uh, you know meditations and protocols and you know links to. But I mean, ultimately, it's the whole C five community, not just UK, right? I mean, it's downloadable globally if it's on Google. Yeah, it's 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 starting off as as a uh, an Android app, uh, which will be on the on the Google Play Store. And then um, at the right time, if it generates enough income, then um, I will fund the release of the uh, iOS version. Uh, but I've had to do it. Is it in paid for, Ash? Sorry? Is it paid for? 
no no not yet no i have to i have to fund that separately and that's probably going to cost at least okay. another six seven hundred pounds so i've i haven't raised any money to do any of this i i paid um i paid the initial cost out of my own pocket uh and, and i've just i've developed it all by myself and i've had been very lucky that a couple of people have helped out with sound and and, and meditations and the rest of it uh, it's it's not a I'm not treating it as an aggressive commercial venture. I won't be marketing the hell out of it. Um, if I get my money back, I'll be very happy. But I, that, I didn't do it to make money. I just did it because I felt passionate about it and wanted to create a tool that would would help teams in the UK. So, you know, um, but you know, because this is this is all self funded. As I said, I haven't had the, the cash to to create the iOS version. Um, and I haven't, I haven't had the time to organize a crowdfund or a Kickstarter or any, anything like that. So, um, because it's, it's not, you know, I'm just trying to go along and only use the money that gets generated by the project. Uh, I mean, if, if it does turn out to be successful, then, then as you said, we'll iron out the kinks and maybe do a, a version two next year or something. But, um, I think I'd just be, be, uh, I'm, I'm very open-minded about any feedback. I don't, you know, it's, it's, um. I really enjoyed using, I still use, I think we all do still use Greer's, uh, Dr. Greer's app, uh, you know, the, the C5 contact button. It's still a great, it's a great thing. And this isn't designed to replace that at all. It's, a, it's just to work alongside it, um, you know, and, and um, I'm sure some of the content might not resonate with everybody, but, you know, it, at the end of the day, it was, it was, um, I did almost all of it myself uh, uh, in my spare time. So, um, I've done the best I could. <laughs> yeah, well, kudos to you for, for doing that. Um, so another big thing that's coming out, and we, we, said, we said at the start that uh, it's, a, it's a big time at the moment, this UFO report that uh, mm. was due to come out this week, and it's is it three days late now. Will it ever yeah. come out? Uh, this is a really tough one. I mean, as I've, I've said before, I'm very, very cynical of all of these people because even though this is now, you know, um, gained traction within the Senate and, and within US politics, uh, we're still dependent on organizations that have been li lying to people for 70 years. So on purely on that basis, I'm not really inclined to trust any of it. I mean, you've got stories emerging saying that, you know, some senators are saying, yes, the uh we, we've kept it covered up and, and the u.s military is sitting on crash wreckage uh, and then nothing comes out again so until someone has the guts to formally uncover roswell and expose um the military's involvement in the biggest cover-up in, uh, in in human history then I, I really i just don't have a lot of a lot of a lot of confidence in it i'm sure that you know that the nasa study will come back with something i mean that's 16 people isn't it and that's due to publish next year um so some of these will have an impact but uh you know i mean you only have to look at the, the tiny abbreviated report they published last time versus you know what was the actual redacted full-length one and why was a group of you know american politicians deemed to be intellectually capable of processing all of that information versus the rest of the public across the US and the rest of the world. You know, um, I think this is the, the thing that, that, that jumps out and hits you more than anything else over the course of the past few years is how, how um, the people that are running our countries and our, our planet 
are actually the last people in the world that should be processing any information on this topic at all. They are not up to the job intellectually. And, and that's the pro part of the problem. Uh, so, I mean, you know, the, the fact that there was a secret report, you know, I mean, when, it, when, it, when the thing first came out, whatever it was last year, there was a, a behind closed doors version and a, and a um, you know, and in a public, a public version. Well, what the hell makes you so special that you should be looking at the secret version? You know, uh, and, and I just find the whole thing beggars belief. The problem is it needs to be taken out of the political discussion and elevated so it's, it's not, um, it's nothing to do with that because, you know, politicians will only do stuff if it, if it wins votes. They have got very short-term views and they're very self-serving. This is in the, in, the, in the global interest. It is not in the interest of a few self-serving politicians. And it needs, there needs to be, the people need access to this information. Mm. So I, I, don't, I don't have any confidence in, um, in this report coming out. Uh, I, I mean, God, no, I mean, I must be, I must be coming across like a, a horribly cynical mm. uh, uh, middle-aged guy. But I mean, I, I just... Um, you know, we've been down this line now for, for decades uh, and the wrong people are making the wrong decisions. Yeah. So I, 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 the only thing I have confidence in is that will continue. Yeah, I think it will continue. But the, um, a good question was posed on um, the Needs No podcast, which I'd recommend if you're not, if you don't, haven't got that already. And that was that, is this a moment like in, I think it was the 50s, early 60s when, there was Congress hearings on the top topic. There was a lot of momentum on the planet about, about this topic. And then suddenly um, there was the Condon report and the whole thing just got completely um, changed. And there was a whole kind of, you're a conspiracy theorist if you talk about UFOs and they managed to completely derail the whole thing and the momentum went. Mm. Yeah, could that I happen again? Could, that, could that happen again? Are we at another crux point? Well, where... I mean, yeah. So much of the, I mean, the bottom line is that, that what is what is the one thing that is linked to the global economy? We we live in a in a um, in a world that is driven by the acquisition of wealth. What is central and vital to that that whole global economic system? Oh, people. And it's the production and manufacture of fossil fuels. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so, or, or as Dr. Gray calls it, the, the petrodollar. Uh, um, you know, so in the 1950s, it was it was critically important that that system carried on. Now, with the with the fuel crisis, everything going on in Ukraine, I think more people than ever now are looking at how they can break away from that system of paying for energy. So, if that is the case, and more people are, then you'd have to say there's already a movement that's now really starting to gain momentum. You know, that it, it's very, very appealing, the idea of going off grid. You know, do I want to pay the ele electricity companies? No. Do I want to explore putting wind turbines and solar panels on the roof and being completely sustainable uh, for my energy requirements? Absolutely. Um, so I think that is unfortunately part of this, is part of this conversation. And I think the reasons behind the cover-up are uh, driven part in part by money. And the fact is, um, you know, 
these things popping up in earth orbit and making fighter pilots look like a bunch of you know sunday school teachers in the air uh are allegedly not powered by anything like a combustion engine so no offense to sunday school teachers sorry but um and it just it was a good little um segue into the film that dr Weir is coming out with soon the lost century which looks pretty compelling another thing i'd recommend to watch um when it when it comes out and i think that going back to your you were saying about fossil fuels um it looks like again the whole that everything's tied together if mm. there is a truth to this same complex that have been covering up ufos to also simultaneously be covering up any technology that could have broken us away from fossil fuels into free energy anti-gravity propulsion and all, all this if that is true that would be more angry i'll be more angry about that actually because um it just seems like that is a directly involved in causing suffering to everyone the, the amount of suffering caused by well the wealth gap and everyone not having access or the, the energy issue and just the, the cost of living and there's, there's so much suffering globally caused by that well these uh <laughs> these large petrochemical companies that uh that seem to dominate mm. and the greed um is that is that a bigger suffering than that's been caused by not telling us the truth on on not being alone no, it's actually it's something to ponder it, is this... really? <laughs> but they're but they're I both mean, equally <laughs> yeah equally i mean the, the the you know the frequent the frequent consistency of you know contactee reports and and linking with the environmental message is um it's always been there this direct link and i mean i my entry into all of this, as I said before, was through my uh, anthropology degree at university. I went to North America and to Australia. And again, the, 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 the human beings who claim to have had contact, Native American Indians and the Aborigines, you know, it's exactly the same thing, environmental message, contact message. And, and, it, and, it, and it actually is quite difficult to separate the two in, in a lot of these indigenous um, cultures. Mm uh so you know and, and and here i see that this is just that on a, on a much bigger scale really so are they trying to bury the contact message because it is linked to the environmental message you know i mean you've got greta thunberg calling for global destruction of the capitalist state um which is a very difficult principle to sell to the masses because the masses are enjoying the uh, you know the benefits of that but unfortunately we live in an extremely unsustainable civilization that's chugging down fuel uh you know toxins and everything else and we are going to have to change if we want to survive we need to look after the planet look after oceans look after yeah the animals yeah definitely so um moving on to uh probably what's quite quite exciting that the we've got an interview coming up and we're both going to be uh talking to yeah the uh, Jim Penniston, who notably touched the craft during that um, that UFO incident, which for for me actually it stands up there with Roswell and now Virginia in terms of how how big an incident it was. So, oh, yeah. um, 
yeah, it's going to be interesting to talk to him. I don't know how many interviews he's done, so I feel very fortunate that we he has. We're, we're really lucky. I mean, I mean, the thing is, no, he, he, he Sergeant, is it Sergeant Major, Sergeant, Sergeant Jim Penniston? He's been through so much. So, I mean, we are really lucky to have this conversation with him. It is, it's the most documented um, UFO account in military history, allegedly. Mm because it was so up close and personal and over such a, a um, high security site uh, that, you know, I mean, it's, it's um, when I first heard about it, my, again, I heard information from, um, I, I, for years and years, I went out with this girl that, that went to school in Woodbridge and she lived down the, down the road from Rendlesham Forest. And I'll never forget, you know, one of my first experiences was, was her mum and dad telling me all about the Rendlesham Forest incident. And it was uh, the, the other people I spoke to about this in the area all said the same thing. Oh, all the US servicemen attached to that patrol were disbanded globally and told not to speak about it again. Uh, you know, and, and that was that all of the local people in, uh, in and around the area, that's, that was what they understood had happened. So I'm very excited to talk to him. I mean, yeah, there's there's a lot of question marks about it, but I thought initially, I mean, I made a mistake in, in as far as I thought that the, uh, you know, the Pentreek, is it the Pentreek uh, incident UFO that the MOD's blocked from coming out for like 50 years? Mm -hmm. You seen that picture? No, I don't know. Okay. Oh, uh, it's, up in the, it's a picture that's been taken up in the Lake District of what looks to be like a really clear as day um pyra uh, not pyramid sorry ufo but it looks like two pyramids bolted together and in the background it appears to be a harrier jump jet so uh and that 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 photo has been classified and won't come up before god knows 2050 or something ridiculous mm. um no more poor decision making on behalf of our wonderful ministry of defense and um they um i really thought at the time that it was it, it that craft or it was almost 10 years after rendlesham and it was almost um looked very similar to the the descriptions of the craft they saw but it's not so i mean i'm fascinated to talk to him i mean he, he's gone through he had ptsd for a long time um so he's really suffered um as a result of his experiences but he's come out the other side of it so I'm interested to see how he reflects on it all now and, and what, um, you know, how he's come to terms with it in his own mind since then. And this is without giving away the big spoiler at the end that Gary's, uh, Gary's written in, in the book uh, about actually what, what happened when he touched the craft. Yeah, I mean, um, so talking about the book, um, that, that's, that was interesting. Uh, I would like to talk talk a bit with him about a bit more try and get a bit more of the emotions and the human aspect again a bit like virginia in terms of i feel like the book as good as it was was more of like a sequence of events and then a, a list of post-interview uh, commentary and and how um and a discussion on you know what the aftermath and everything but there wasn't I guess I would like to know a bit more about 
um, the effects of the incident on the people during the time? Did they think it was a UFO straight away or were they um, skeptical? Were they skeptical prior to it? I mean, were was there any stigma about it? Any laughing and joking during the time? You know, there's these are the questions I think I might uh, try and dig into with, with Jim and and, um, and also with the, the Peniston Code, which you mentioned, which is also fascinating. And if if that's all true, that he, I mean, it it sounds like, I mean, it does sound true, but it's also could be called hearsay that he had, had this code in his head or had written it down years ago and only just surfaced. Um, so we have to trust that that's the case. If it is the case, and then the link between the binary code that was in that came from him touching the craft that went into his head and to, to describe it, I might, I might ask him a bit more about that, but uh, this binary code, how to link that to those coordinates that Gary Osborne talked about, you know, in, in the Nazca lines and the Pyramid of Giza and where the other important places around the world. I, I would like to know a bit more about how that, that was done. Um, fascinating if true that this was a message um delivered in 1980 knowing that it wouldn't be considered seriously until what 2018 or so and at that moment in time for somehow um it was the right time to analyze it it seems in terms of being able to understand it or look into it more maybe yeah. I, I, I wonder i wonder if I mean, it's not listen to Gary Osborne, if all the timing seems to be in, in the minds of these ET beings who create the binary code and put it on the craft to be so it all seems controlled, but I, I'm not sure if it is. Is it all random? Was it not meant? Was he not meant to touch it? And the binary code wasn't meant to be delivered as a message. It sounds, sounds dubious. So I'll um, try and try and find out a bit more about that. I think that's uh, it's an interesting topic. Mm, uh, absolutely absolutely right it's um yeah it, it's it's it really does need more inquiry and and um i mean after we've spoken to jim it might be worth having another conversation with gary yes yeah, we can yeah it'd be good to yeah. good to have a conversation with him i think from his well, accent he's not far from here he sounds like a like a londoner oh is, does he okay <laughs> i don't know yeah. Or around London. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, talking of, of, you know, really good, really great researchers, I was, I was um, disappointed to see that, you know, one of Greer's original team at Avebury in the 90s um, has now retired. Uh, and I, I thought that was, that was, that was a terrible, a terrible shame, but it obviously the, the politics in the community have, I've driven a lot of people out, which is is, is really bad. I mean, this, I think it's a problem as, as a community. We we have to try and strive to not be so polarised and be a little bit more philosophical. Um, you know, I mean, it, it, at the end of the day, the the if you want your answers, you only have to listen to some of the like the contact group Ram Mission are absolutely adamant. If you want the answer to anything, you just have to sit, meditate, and, and ask for guidance on that, and you can get the answer to anything. Um, if if the whole community did that a little bit more with regard to some of these stories, we might have a much better sense of direction. Um, but yeah, cool. Well, um, 
I think uh, I'm looking forward to having that interview and we'll um, yeah definitely I'll see you again then but uh, thank you for this discussion it's been really good um, and really interesting and also well done on the on the new app and I'm looking forward to hearing more about if we do manage to get Stephen Greer, Dr. Stephen Greer over to the UK. Yeah, f- fingers crossed, but hopefully we should have an answer in, within about two weeks. Perfect. Well, Brilliant. thank you. Thanks, Joe.